Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 297th episode of Real Hawk Talk. I am Brian Nemhauser. You can find me on Twitter at Hawk Blogger, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight. It, we, we missed a post-game show after a victory, so we've got to talk about that for sure. Um, we also had a 49ers loss in prime time that was just delicious and we haven't had a chance to talk about that we've got a big game against a team that used to be one of the Seahawks fans most hated rivals it's faded a little bit but still a big game coming into this year in the final home game of the season and of course we've got Russell Wilson who cannot quite find a way for him to not be part of the news for Seahawks fans so we got a lot to cover, including patron questions. And let me go ahead and add the boys onto the stage here. Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB, fresh off of you know exercise with the cherubic rosy cheeks. Uh, appreciate him making the show a priority tonight. Evan, how are you doing, man? I'm doing so well. And can I just tell you, I got out of hot yoga. 16 minutes ago so class okay. ended 16 minutes ago i drove home that fast i showered that fast and i changed just to have a conversation with you tonight i i'm i'm very moved by that and i'm also going to be curious to see if you are flexible emotionally as well <laughs> as physically tonight or if you're going to be your normal pig-headed self we'll, we'll find out i've never been flexible emotionally but i'll take it <laughs> All right. Uh, Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11. Nathan, uh, we've turned you into the Jeff Simmons of this show where we need to do a internet check for you. Uh, can you say something? Are we still coming in good for you? All, all good in Microsoft land? You and Evan sound wonderful. I don't know how I sound. You sound great. You sound okay. great. This, yeah. this is promising. Who knows where this could go if we can actually all hear each other and and uh, in real time. So, uh I guys, I I, I kind of we can kind of start in all sorts of places, but since we didn't do a post game show for the win against the Titans, I feel like we got to spend a beat there. And I I have <laughs> been the subject of many a very unhappy Seahawks fan as I was 
absolutely livid and tweeting about how angry I was about how the Seahawks were playing for the majority of that game, but also really happy that they won. Um, and so before I kind of share my take, which is, is kind of well known, um, Evan, I'm curious where, what's your take about this latest come from behind last second victory for the Seahawks? Yeah. Uh, God, I have a debate wage, a war waging in my brain right now, emotionally, uh, whether or not to be positive about that game. Um, a win is a win at the, at the end of the day. And, uh, winning matters. It's important. You want to win football games, but if you look at the context of the opponent, the quality of the opponent, the injuries on, on, uh, with the opponent, um, uh, a lifeless Titans team kicked out of the playoffs, many on third stringers, many of their top guys out, uh, 95% of that game was really disappointing. I think if you flip, like, I know you can't do this, but like, if you flip the drives, like, Geno doesn't end on a game-winning drive and Seattle loses by three or seven points or whatever it was. I, we're having a totally different conversation. Like, I, I just think if if you want to make the playoffs, great. They needed to win. If you think Seattle is going to make a deep playoff run or you're convinced of that or you're trying to talk yourself into that, I don't know how you feel any more encouraged after watching that Titans game. I, I would argue you should feel... Uh, less encouraged. You should be discouraged. Um, whether or not they beat the Steelers, whether or not they beat the Cardinals will, you know, remains to be seen. But, um, you know, that offense was pretty much anemic for good portions of the game. And, you know, there were some flashes by Jaron Reed, um, the interior defensive line that, that excited me. The corners made some nice plays. But overall, I think um, you I – th- I, I look at that game in full context of the opponent – a lifeless Titans team on many third stringers, you know, contributing in different roles. It's hard for me to come away from that game being like, oh yeah, Seattle's going to make a playoff run. So maybe I'm a Debbie Downer. Um, They won the game. Great. Gino was surgical. Like one of the comments is saying when he needed to be, but man, I, I don't know. I don't know. Am I insane guys? Like, well, let, let's find out. I, I think uh, we are going to be your psychologists here uh, for the next few minutes, at least. Uh, Nathan, the Seahawks defense held the Titans to 17 points. They held them to you know under 300 yards of offense. They sacked them a bunch of times, what, five, six times, whatever it was. Uh, got off the field to win the game. Um, the offense scored on every drive in the second half. Um, that they had the ball, you know, they should have scored in the first drive. If the refs had called a Jake Bobo catch a catch, which it was, there's really basically two drives where the Seahawks didn't score on offense. Uh, they scored two go ahead touchdowns in a row when they had to have them. Is this a game that you walked away saying, yeah, they, they did, they did their job. Stop bitching. Or is this a game where you, you agree with Evan and feel like maybe this was not a particularly encouraging outing. I mean, I think, you know, the way that you framed it is right and that there's a lot to be encouraged about there, but it didn't feel that way watching the game. Um, You know, you have back-to-back 20 to 17 games and the one against the Eagles felt amazing and uplifting and you did it with the backup quarterback on this crazy drive at the end against the team that was in the Super Bowl last year. 
And then you have this like very similar game. Uh, you know, they gutted it out, two game-winning drives effectively in the fourth quarter, like you said, you know, but against a, a, a not very good Titans team that has absolutely beat the crap. Like the injury list was wild. I, I don't think I've ever seen a team's injury list like that going into a game. And so for them to not be able to um, dominate a little bit more, uh, to need two game-winning drives at the end, felt pretty, pretty bad. So on the whole, I think I walked away from that feeling worse about Seattle. And and even when they when they won, there was a part of me that really wondered, like, for what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I've I've rebounded a little bit. I'm not quite so down on it right now. Like, I, I still think this team can be set up well to do something and maybe win a playoff game, which has kind of been a bugaboo for them. Um, but yeah, in the moment, it was just like, man, what is what are we even doing right now? Yeah, it's it is rare for the three of us to to kind of have the same point of view uh, on a game. Uh, look, I, we saw the Seahawks go into Dallas. One of the top defenses in the NFL, a game that I think we all expected them to get blown off the field. And we saw this offense just zoom up and down the field, touchdown, 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 put up 35 points, could have potentially put up more than that, not for some fourth down, you know, faux pas and whatever. And this Titans team is nowhere near that defense. And the, the atmosphere they're playing in was nowhere near as electric or as hard of a place to play. No team had been leading the Cowboys in like years or like whatever. Like there had been all sorts of things that this offense did the last time Geno Smith was behind the wheel. And they came in to a Titans team. And what it felt like, guys, and, I, and what I've heard in like listening to some, some folks that know a little bit more about how different teams play the Titans played a lot of zone. So it's like in, in the NBA or in the college college basketball is actually better. There's times where you see teams that are high flying and then they run into a team that plays a solid zone defense and they just cannot figure it out. And it felt a little like that where the Seahawks did not have a game plan. Once again, Waldron maybe deserves more of the, the blame here, but they didn't seem to know how to be super effective against this defense. And so that gummed up the works. And then on defense, the thing that just, I was, the thing that enraged me and will always enrage me is when it is so obvious what a team has to do. And in this game, the only thing the Titans could do to be anywhere close was to run the football. Only thing. If you had put 11 guys in the box you could have still like managed to play defense that way in this game. And they got pushed around by not just a second string offensive line. There were, there was a guy starting on that team on that offensive line that was picked up on the practice squad that week. And then was asked to start in this game. You're talking about some of the worst players to play on an offensive line in the entire league and you had pretty much your entire starting defensive line. Yes, you lost Jordan Brooks partway through, but don't tell me Jordan Brooks was the difference maker. They were already running over them when he was in the game. That was really, really, really frustrating. If they had just done that differently, if they had just stopped the run, then 
Seattle has more than three possessions in the second half. Seattle doesn't have to be as perfect on offense. I don't think Tennessee scores more than six, seven points in that game. So it was just very aggravating, and I left very discouraged because my expectations were, I agree with you, Nathan, this was as injured as I've ever seen an NFL team, and they're not good to begin with. (laughs) And so I really thought this is going to be the one time we get to just enjoy the Seahawks play a game that's not too, too close. They're going to win 30 to 13. Like they're going to win going away. And they didn't. So I, I, I was very, very angry, like unreasonably angry about that game. And I realize it's unreasonable, but that's how I felt. But I also like, I just rewatched, um, I just rewatched the last series again, last series for the Seahawks offense and the last series when Tennessee had the ball and then the Seahawks defense got out the field, that was a fucking hell of a drive to, to win the game. Geno Smith, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Colby Parkinson, like JSN. It, that was a championship level drive. I don't care what defense they're playing third. That was an amazing drive. And so I, th- I think you do have to like acknowledge that there was some greatness, even in a very frustrating game. Go ahead. Evan. Yeah. I wanted to hammer that point home for a second. It's been, um, it's been a long time. I feel like as a Seahawks fan where I've been able to confidently from like a psychologically emotional space, uh, say like, if, if we have the ball at the end of the game, we're going to win that game. I, I really feel confident in Gino in those moments. And that says a lot. Like, it says wild. A, lot like a year ago, that was not the case. That was like the thing uh, that he couldn't do. I would, I would argue it's been, I mean, the last few years of Russell Wilson, absolutely were not like clutch at all. So it's been like five, six, maybe seven years since I've felt this level of confidence in their ability to close games uh, you know, with strong executing offensive drives. So I, I think for me th- to hammer that point home is, is important. Yeah. I mean, Nathan DK Metcalf has started to make a name for himself in these moments. Like it, pretty much every single one of these game winning drives, DK has been every bit as crucial as Gino has been. Um, and I think you wrote, I think I saw you tweet, like <laughs> needed a little time apart. I like him, but I needed a little time. So do you see what's been going on with DK over the last six, seven, eight weeks and and see the growth? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's been six or seven, eight weeks. I mean, it's last been maybe three, four weeks, I think, mm. that he's really rebounded. Um, I mean, I think at this point, everyone has gone through this with DK at one point where you just get a little fed up with some of the antics. Um, it took me like five or six years or however long he's been. But this year, I, I definitely hit a breaking point for a moment, uh, combining like some of his, you know, uh, worst moments uh, uh, with a really terrible Niners game had me super concerned about him. Um, but he's done nothing but come up huge every week since that first Niners game. Um, even in the second Niners game, you know, he had that first drive where he looked awesome and they never really went back to him. But, you know, he still like showed he can play at that level. Um, so I think, you know, um, I don't know how I, I don't know where everyone is at any given moment on DK. I think we all probably have a different level of tolerance for some of his stuff at different times. But for me, at least, I feel I feel really good about DK again. Can I say one thing on that? It feels like he's uh, kept his head intact 
psychologically, mm-hmm. emotionally, um, for a bit, a bit of a stretch now. I know it's not a huge sample size, but there were a couple incidents earlier in the season, and I know there's been issues over the previous years where we've really lit into him for, rightfully so. It feels like maybe, God, cross my fingers, this is like maybe some maturity happening. No. no. <laughs> I don't know about the minute that. that things get hard again, he's going to have moments where he acts out. It's just what he it does. Was, it was hard in the Eagles game. Not really. I th- I think I think that it is it is fair to at least ask the question if he's made a change because he has not had one of those moments other than the 49ers game which for me that didn't qualify it just it's yeah. not the same that's not the same he was cheap shotted and he didn't really th- anyway don't want to go into it but I I really feel like it's been a while so I do think DK's taking a step forward I think that Nathan is absolutely found it well founded to say like okay let, let's let's wait a while longer because it sure seems like you know it's probably bound to happen again i mean the last thing i'll say on this the last time that dk had one of these moments immediately in the press conference afterwards he said i'm not changing who i am i'm going to be me but <laughs> he has not had point. he has not had another penalty since then like other than Wait. the 49ers game he has not had another personal foul penalty since then that's it's been like four games. Like wait, 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 wait. Has he gotten a penalty? Has he gotten a penalty since learning the ASL sign language stuff? Why why are we patting a receiver on the back for not getting a penalty for like six weeks? Like when was the last time Tyler Lockett got a penalty? I'm not patting him on the back. I'm just I'm just trying to state facts. Um I am I am part of me is like emotionally projecting this to make it reality. Okay. I, I, you're manifesting. So, you're manifesting. manifesting. You're manifesting. I, I, I feel that. I feel that. Okay. Last thing I got to say on the Titans game, and then we can we can move on. Is <laughs> it's just the Seahawks have said multiple times that they worked on the play to Colby Parkinson. For they said like for years that they've been like repping this. They've been doing it for so long and waiting for the chance to run this play. This is why I am clearly not a film guy. They had trips out to the right. They had a single guy, Colby Parkinson, on the top. He ran straight ahead 10 yards. Gino threw it to him, and he wrestled the ball away from one-on-one cup. What about that needs to be repped <laughs> for years? To the, and then to and brag about it. Like they, Even in the broadcast, they said, not a complex concept, <laughs> but, but it worked. I want them to have I want them to have complex concepts that actually come through in the red zone, and I don't know that would just that made me laugh. Uh, that feels par for the course for this season. One, one other big takeaway from that game: yes. Jason Myers two of two. Oh fuck off, dude! Fuck, fuck all the way off, <laughs> Jason Myers. Long. Uh, all right, let, let's speak of fuck off. Time that Jason Myers missed a kick. It's been a long. It's been time. a while. It's been a long yeah. time. I can't remember. I was a child when it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 49ers. 49ers. Uh, did you guys watch this game? I know, Evan, you did. Oh. oh <laughs> Nathan, did you watch this game? No. Nathan, you didn't watch this game? No. This was like, this was better than any Seahawks game this season, I think. Um. Really? This, I, oh. Probably a good Seahawks game in there somewhere, right? From Wait, like a person. Not to not to totally divert here, but what is the best Seahawks game of the year so far? 
the Lions the game's up there. The, the, the Eagles, don't you think? The Dallas game? The Dallas game was the best game for me, even though they lost. That was the, yeah. that was the game I thought they were the best. When we say best, what are we talking from a personal enjoyment or like the team executing on all cylinders? It's a combination. It's like, did you enjoy yeah. watching that game because they're playing a good game against maybe a good team or playing? That was by far that exceeded my expectations more than any other game. The Lions game without either starting tackle. I didn't think they had a shot in that game and they came out and won. So that was also a really good game. Um, okay. Sorry. Brock Purdy, 18 interceptions. I schadenfreude. Like I, 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 the misery was just so delicious. Evan, I mean, <laughs> describe to me watching that game on what was it? Monday night. Yeah, it was, uh, I'm about to say something that I'm debating whether or not is appropriate for this website or not. Um, <laughs> Go for it. Let's hear it. I'll get emails later. It was so uh, brutally um, one-sided that it could be uploaded to like an X video. <laughs> like, like, it, and let me tell you, it wasn't even reading the 49er reactions on Twitter, uh, the fans of the Bang Bang Poop Gang, whatever the fuck they call themselves, <laughs> was the best part. Major copium going on. Oh, my God. I saw somebody tweeted, uh, look at the 49ers had more yards, more yards per play. Uh, if, if it wasn't for the five turnovers, they were moving the ball with ease. Who the hell would ever say that, like, just forget the five turnovers. Otherwise, the offense had no problem moving the ball against the defense. It was it was crazy, the level of, of, of cope that was going on. And Brock Purdy, like, you know, he had the four picks. Two of them were really bad. Uh, two of them were tipped balls. But they also were tipped because they were getting pressure, and Brock Purdy didn't know where to go with the ball. And this was one of the first times he's had to play from behind, and he certainly didn't do that well. He's never done that well. I thought that the 49ers defense, who is like the cockiest, chirpiest crew around, as soon as that game turned, I'm not even talking like 20-point lead. I'm talking like they were down 7, 10, 14 points, whatever. That 49ers defense got quiet as a bird. Like they would, they would play each play. The Ravens scored, Evan, on seven straight possessions. It was glorious. I don't even think the Ravens' offense played their best game in that game. Like, yeah, Lamar Jackson barely ran in that yeah, game. He only had like 50 rushing yards. So, I don't know. I... I a big part of what gives me life right now as a Seahawks fan is anything negative that can happen to the 49ers and anything that keeps them from potentially winning a Super Bowl. So did we, I had a lot of fun. On, uh, oh, it was so fun from like a, I would argue go, going back to your original point, Brian, for a sec, I, I would argue from a personal enjoyment perspective, that was like the most enjoyable, uh, Seahawks centric football viewing activity for the season. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fuck it was so fun. It man. was a blast. Kyle Hamilton, dude, that guy's a beast. 
beast. Ooh. Is he okay? By the way, what what's the? He, it sounds like he's okay. Thank um, God. Yeah, he's a fun. It's a shame the Ravens have lost some really good players. That's a fun team to watch, even though they absolutely whooped us. I left that game when they played us with just so much respect for that coaching staff, for that those players. They lost Keaton Mitchells, the running back, the rookie running back who just destroyed us. They've lost, uh, you know, multiple. They lost Mark Andrews, their their tight end, their go to tight end. But they keep on ticking along. So um, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I thought that Ravens team might be the best team in the league after that we played them, and then they like lost a number of games to teams that that were not that great. So um, I don't know. It, it was it was a really it was really fascinating to watch that team play. It was fun to watch that team play. I also think it had impact for the Seahawks because there's a decent chance the 49ers are going to have to play to win in week 18 against the Rams now. And I'm curious, we're going to talk for one more second about this and then we're going to go into the Russell Wilson conversation. Who do you, do you think the Rams can give the 49ers a run for their money in that game with the way Matthew Stafford's playing. Uh, I think I saw somewhere that in games that Matthew Stafford, Puka Nakua, Cooper cup and Kyron Williams, their running back are all in the lineup. The Rams offense is like number one across the board for all like major stats. My answer to that is very simple. I don't know if there was a question in there. Yeah. Do you think that the Rams can give the 49ers a run for their money in the game last game of the season? And I'm going to answer that with a question. Is Trent Williams playing? Ah, yes. It's that it's that simple. That 49ers team, that offense relies on Trent Williams to execute. He's the best left tackle. Well, I, th- I can confidently say he's probably the less, best left tackle in football at one of the most important positions on the offense. And he's central to making sure that that Shanahan offense runs. Brock Purdy is a different quarterback when he's pressured. And he's a different quarterback when he's stressed. And I just don't think he's he's capable of rising up to that sort of adversity without his cornerstone left tackle. So I've been checking for updates. I haven't seen anything on Trent Williams. It seems like they've been quiet about it. They've been quiet. He's supposed to get an MRI, but they've been saying he's limited in practice, which implies that it's not that bad. Um, if it was if it was bad, he would just be like DNP. Um, but there's been no official word that I've seen. That's a little <laughs> sketch to me. They have other injuries too. They're a lot of their offensive line. They were playing backup backups in that game by the end as well. He is a guy though, legitimately, if you're like a Seahawks fan, obviously you don't root for injuries ever. Um, but uh, if he's not playing, uh, it changes their, uh, their ceiling for sure. So that was the least convincing. We don't root for injuries. I've ever heard somebody say, <laughs> I'm just saying if he's not available, yeah. the circumstances change. hundred percent. All I'm saying. It it is crazy how the narratives get written and injuries never get to be play a real part in it. Like the Seahawks have had their starting two tackles for like a fraction of this season. And nobody like nobody outside of Seattle ever says a thing about that, <laughs> but they, the, the 49ers lose one guy who happens to be really good. And all of a sudden Brock Purdy can't function. He goes from MVP to not. So um, Nathan, I know I you didn't watch the game. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Can, yeah. I, can I just say one more thing on this? 
are we all in pretty much agreement that Lamar should probably be the MVP now? Or is there, or do, do you guys believe CMC should still deserve a shot? Like, did your MVP perspective change at all from that game? I guess that's my question. Go ahead, Nathan. I've been talking more. So what's your take? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Lamar takes the lead there, right? Um, I think he's probably my favorite to win it now. Yeah, I, I would mind Lamar winning. I, I've had CMC as my MVP the whole time. I, I was not nearly as worked up as a lot of Seahawks fans. Jeff Simmons, if you're listening, uh, about Brock Purdy winning an MVP. He had the best numbers for the best offense and the best team. And so he no longer does. And But I, I've thought CMC is the guy that's been, made that offense go. Lamar doesn't have the greatest numbers, but I think that he probably fits the the description of truly an MVP. You take him off that team, they're six, seven wins less probably um, than what they are right now, I would guess. At least four or five. I don't think if you took if you took CMC off the 49ers, probably not that much. Like not not a five, six game difference, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it's just not a good MVP year. Um, I, I was fine with Purdy being in the lead because, like you said, he was like in an offense that was far and away the best and he had the best numbers and all that. Um, I think this game really punched a huge hole in like how good is he really which was the big question so he really failed his biggest test i think um and then so beyond that it's like you know is it christian caffrey i mean it's called most valuable player and we can argue about whether that's what it should be or not but it is called most valuable player and so it probably shouldn't go to a running back is it <laughs> I, knew that's where you'd, I knew that's where you'd end up i mean i don't Could, even yeah. have a lot of, like disagreement on that like yeah. across the broad populace of nfl fans i don't I, I think that's a fairly common viewpoint now like tyreek hill has missed some time but maybe he deserves it um mm -hmm. i don't know like i think you just kind of have to this year fall back on uh well you know is the quarterback on the best team really cool yeah lamar jackson's really cool give him give it so to him. i have a trivia question lamar has played 21 games against the nfc in his career what do you think his record is? I know the answer. So I'll, you do I'll, know the answer. I do. Damn what, what you, Brian. One more time. What, I, I, I don't know the answer. Because I didn't played, hear the question. He has played 21 games against the NFC in his career. What is his record again against the NFC conference? I have no idea. Take a, take a guess. Is he undefeated? He's 20 and one. Oof. Who do you lose to? The Giants. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember when that was. Was that last year? That wasn't this year, was it? I don't know. It was I don't know. last year. 21 was a weird season. crazy. Yeah. 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 He's 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 our hope against the 49ers if they make it to the Super Bowl, um, assuming that something crazy doesn't happen in the playoffs on the did, AFC side. Did this game make you feel like I've already felt, I think, most people think that the AFC is quite a bit better than the NFC this year. Does this game make you feel any different about just how good the Niners are in the NFL as a whole? Like, do you think that they got their like ass kicked so bad by the Ravens that like also maybe the Bills or the 
Chiefs or you know whoever else he liked from the AFC would stand a chance against them. I think the Bills are a sneaky team right now yeah. for sure. I think that they were forgotten, and I think they're playing really good football right now. And so I I, I think the Bills are one team over there. I think the Ravens are a one of one team uh, in terms of the scheme they're running, the players they've got behind it, the the defensive coordinator. I think they uniquely can give the 40, the Brock Purdy challenges because they, they disguise things so well. Um, but I, I don't know, man, I still look at the 49ers and I'm like, that's the best team in the NFL on any given Sunday on a neutral field. I will go into those games pretty concerned that they're going to win. <laughs> like I was in, even in this game, it started and I'm like, God dang it. They're just going to blow them out and it's not even going to be a game. And, and then it, it, they, they got blown out. So I don't know. I don't think I massively changed my perspective, but, but it was nice to see some vulnerability. I thought the 49ers shouldn't lose a game this year. I really didn't. And they've lost four. And it, to, to Evan's point, when they haven't had Trent Williams for a full 60 minutes, they're Owen four. Oh, and four. I think he's that important to that team. Should you give the MVP, MVP to Trent Williams then over uh, CMC? I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with that. I think uh, there's I think there's a quarterback controversy. I think Sam Darnold should be good. Shut up! You do not. He came in through an interception as well. There's I love some that. legitimate discourse about that in the Niners fan base, which is crazy oh my god that's nuts purdy i wish purdy wasn't as good as he is he purdy is really good i i you know whatever but let's speaking of schadenfreude and enjoying misery of others there's another story of which there was a lot of that going on and it's changed a little bit our very own russell wilson you know kind of talked his way out of seattle you know had a really really rough year last year comes back this year with the coach he has always wanted, Sean Payton, who he has handpicked. Drew Brees was his idol. He wanted Sean Payton all this time. Rumors are that this is the coach that he tried to get to replace Pete Carroll in Seattle. I don't know how true all those things are, but those are reports. Sean Payton has never shown Russell Wilson the same kind of respect that he has shown, that Russell's shown him. He has treated him pretty poorly, I think, all year. And now... After Russell statistically has had a bounce back year where they were pushing for the playoffs, where there were some people saying, is he part of the comeback player of the year conversation? Like there was some of that not that long ago. Now they have benched Russell Wilson for the rest of the season. And it is all but a given that his time in Denver will end before he sees dollar one of the extension he signed when being traded to the Broncos. Nathan, what do you make of what has happened and the news that broke about Russell Wilson uh, being benched? I think my biggest thing with all of this is, I mean, look, it's Twitter and the internet and people are trying to get their tweets off and everything. So I I get it. But like, (laughs) there feels like, it feels like there's this like overall uh, judgment 
on Russell Wilson's career based on what's happening now in his age 35 season after an injury that it never seems like he's fully recovered from. And, you know, the team, like what seems pretty clearly like a money focused uh, move. So uh, that's my biggest thing is, you know, yes, that trade was unbelievable for Seattle. They absolutely fleeced the Broncos. There's no question about that. Yes. Russell Wilson is at the tail end of his career. Um, He's 35. He's at the tail end of his career. Um, That contract was beyond dumb. So like all of those things are are just undeniably true. Um, It just feels a little bad that this is somehow now becoming a referendum on like what 2014 Russ really was like that was 10 years ago <laughs> like we like the, this is the guy that Russell Wilson Sean Payton he looked up to him his whole career and now Sean Payton doesn't even want him like well yes now would Sean Payton have wanted him like wanted the 26 year old version of Russell Wilson I don't think we know the answer to that based on what's happened this year um so that's been my big takeaway and I guess it just really reveals that I still have a soft spot for Russ I mean Brought team brought the city a, a ring, uh, a lot of great memories with him, and it just kind of sucks to like now that he's thirty five and breaking down and actually having a pretty good year, like you know bouncing back from what was really horrific, a really horrific season, and it all just kind of feels like he's just getting shit on for it all. And I don't know, that bums me out. Yeah, Evan, Sean Payton takes over, talks shit about Russ from the beginning. Uh, takes what was a top 10 defense in the NFL and turns it into a bottom 10 defense in the NFL that gives up 70 points in a game earlier this year. Uh, and his quarterback had a number of comeback victories, big fourth quarters. It feels to me very clear that, that Sean Payton never wanted Russell Wilson and is looking for a scapegoat. And I don't know how much this really reflects on Russ. You know that I'm like people think I'm anti-Russ. I get it. But I look at this and I'm not like, ah, Russ just clearly has blown it. I look at this as Sean Payton came in and he is pushing Russ out so he can have full control over this team. Yeah, I, I think you nailed it. I think it's a combination of uh, buying him extra time as uh, as head coach. And also, um, it, it's financial. Like, Nathan nailed it. Like, is Russ, this is a, to me, this is a very nuanced situation. Like should Seattle have traded him when they did, you know, with the context of those picks and everything like that? Yes. Clearly it was the right move in hindsight. Did it feel like the right move to me in the moment? Absolutely not. But in hindsight, it clearly was considering the compensation, the new contract and everything like that. Has he been playing up to his contract expectations in Denver? Absolutely not. Uh, did he have a bad year this year? Absolutely not. Did he have a great year this year? Probably not. Did he have a good year this year? Yeah. Did his year match his contract expectations though? No. And that's where the rubber meets the road here is you have to remember, um, this is a, this is business and 
you know, Russell, basically the issue at the heart here is if Russell gets injured in the final couple of games while they're still in the playoff race, or I guess technically in the playoff race, I guess it's minuscule chances. Then an extra, I think it's $30 million in injury protections would trigger uh, for the 2025 season. And obviously the Broncos don't want that to happen. So it's, I mean, it's finances at the end of the day. If Russell was on like a $25 million, $30, $35 million deal, would this be happening? I don't think so. Probably not. But this is a game of economics. And uh, I, I, I don't think Russell... Like, is he aging? Like, is he aging and on the back end of his career? Absolutely. Is he going to be as good as he was ever in Seattle? Probably not. Most likely not. But I also don't think he's like playing catastrophically bad or anything like that. But I don't know. That's my rant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'll give you a chance to make the case I know you want to make, um, whether serious or not, <laughs> in a second. But but I, I, before we get to that silliness, um, I I think that there is a legitimate case that Russ is not a quarterback that Sean Payton wants regardless and that he wasn't playing well in Sean Payton's estimation. Uh, you know, Sean Payton's a guy that likes to run a lot of plays uh, from there's a number of reports that there was a very limited play sheet for Russ. You know, that's not something that's only been a Sean Payton thing. Nathaniel Hackett had to simplify things. Uh, the Seahawks went through a number of OCs that had to like Russ can be a very tough. He is by some estimation been a bit of a coach killer in this case, mostly OCs over the years because of some of his limitations. And so I do think that the, some of this is just Sean Payton never wanted him. But the question that I have that I've been asking myself is what if Russ hadn't been traded and then these last two years had happened? What would the discourse be in Seattle about Russ and about Pete and what would have changed? Because I think ultimately, <clears throat> my point I'll make here, and I'm curious where you guys are on this. Russ gave Seahawks fans a gift. Mark Rogers gave the Seahawks fans a gift by forcing their way out of Seattle, by getting to the point where now everyone could see Russell Wilson standing on his own two feet last year was not the player that could carry a team to a Super Bowl. He was not being limited by his coaching staff. If you hadn't seen that, the absolute there have been civil war among Seahawks fans for years that had already been raging about Russ. There would have been just uproar about the coaching staff. Maybe that would have been, if you're, you want to say the other way, maybe he would have done a favor by staying and getting Pete fired. Fine. Um, if you really believe that makes the team that much better. But for where I sit, it is just nice to know that we don't have to really like have that be a murky conversation. We got to see Pete and Russ without each other for two years. And they both have things that have been pretty clearly not good or good. And, and and I think that that was a really helpful end <laughs> to what was a very complicated relationship uh, over, you know, a decade. I, I don't know that it would have been that complicated, though, the last two years. I, I, think, I mean, I, I'm speaking for myself mostly here. I mean, there are still people out there that are defending 
Russell Wilson. I've had people in my mentions telling me Jamal Adams is the best safety in the league because he was all pro eight years ago. Like, I get it. Like, there's weirdos out there. But just thinking for myself and knowing that I was very pro-Russ on that whole deal. Even, like, when he came back from the finger injury, he looked like a shell of himself. And I know I was critical of him, like, rushing back. And now, like, would there be lots of arguing about whether Russ has always been this bad or whatever? I mean, that's happening now. So clearly that would have happened. Uh, but I think a lot of the more reasonable pro Russ, let Russ cook crew crew. Uh, like it's just been very obvious that Russ has not been who he, like he's not been peak Russ for at least two and a half years now. We could have been arguing about whether that's because of the injury and is he really still hurt or is this, does he suck or whatever. But like, I I don't think I like I would have been sitting here telling you, oh, this is just more Pete wasting a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's been so clearly limited at this point in his career that I don't think the whole Pete versus wrestling would have really flared up the way that it has in the past. Evan. At least I would not have had those takes. I, I, it's interesting. I, 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 I think pretty clearly it would have, from my perspective. But, but it's interesting to hear your point of view on this, Nathan. Um, Evan, do you want him back in Seattle? Uh, at the right price, yes. And what does that mean? You muted. I, I, I mean, I would. Like I would flip flop Gino for Russell right now on that same contract. Jeff Simmons at real Jeff Simmons on his honeymoon. Let's go, let's go. Can I? Can I? Can I just say one unbelievable timing ever? Evan Hill just said. Evan Hill just said that we should bring back Russell Wilson at the right price. He would swap out Russell for Geno Smith. Did you watch this guy play this year? <laughs> Do you want to go through this again? It's it's the same shit over and over. But I'll say this about Evan. He might Russ might sign for the veteran minimum. Because he has offset in his deal with Denver. And if he wants to fuck over Denver, he can sign for the veteran minimum. So they're on the hook. If you're thinking Gino at 31 million or <laughs> the veteran minimum, it's not crazy. I think my number one takeaway from this entire situation <laughs> is that I'm very Nathan's grateful just... and I'm very relieved that we don't have to deal with Mark Rogers anymore. Yeah. John Schneider's with you right there. Because Mark um, Rogers has been fucking cooking over the past 48 hours. Have you seen the reports that have just spilled out uh, through the what, individual reports? Jordan Schultz? All, why are these people tweeting out like nine paragraph things in one tweet? Please remember how to use Twitter, people. It is not for books. <laughs> Lord, it's ridiculous. Justina like, Anderson, Jordan Schultz, reel it in, people. Get to the point. Come on. Like I know they're copying and pasting Mark Rogers' text. Oh, that's true. But <laughs> yeah, you can put you, you gotta even learn how to use quote tweets. It's, it's Josina's today is really bad. So Jeff, you're calling in from your honeymoon to hedge on Russell Wilson. You no, said, 
I want I want to know for real. You're saying like fine, I'll give you vet minimum, the little the smallest amount possible. You're saying that you want Russell Wilson back if it's that price. No, I'm done with I'm done with this guy. Like I've watched him all year. They run like a minor league offense where he's throwing a running back two yards a play. And like I know his like touchdown interception ratio is really good. But if you like talk to the people who like know quarterbacks the best, like Ben Solak and Ruiz and the guys who like really study it, like they were calling Russ borderline unplayable. And it's just – I can't go through this again. I can't go through an offense where you suck for three quarters and all of a sudden the fourth quarter you're hoping he pulls magic. Everyone always thought that was Pete, but that's what Russ is. He sucks for three quarters. And the fourth quarter when they tell him to, like, improvise, he makes plays. He does. But, like, we got a guy who dominates the middle of the field, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and a guy who can't throw in the middle of the field. I don't want to go through this shit again. I don't want to go through the Mark Rogers Russ experience. He's just not that good anymore. I mean, part part of my take is like emotional and feel good vibes and nostalgia. And I'm not saying it's rational, but I, I think we're all in agreement that the overwhelming preference is they need to draft a quarterback. Hell yeah. They Hell need yeah. to yeah. we said Seattle? this last yeah, we said this last year. Like I, I think Seattle like needs to be talking about the future now. They haven't. They've been delaying it. They have not been drafting quarterbacks. And uh, I, you know, I don't know. I, Brian, your tweet was really good the today or whatever it was late last night about. Um, God, what did it say? It was so good. It was so. Which distinct. one? It was something about um, retread champion. Oh. Or something. It was yeah, a Popeye's chicken. <laughs> it was not the Popeye's chicken tweet. No, it was Popeyes not the Popeye's chicken. Yeah, I love that, that was a good tweet. That was the best one. Popeyes that was a bad tweet. Than uh, that was a bad tweet. It, it was not something I expected. I'm just giving you my lived experiences. Popeye's chicken is significantly better than In-N-Out Burgers. It just 100%. is. Um, but I think you're referring to a tweet where I said, clinging to the past is not going to get the Seahawks back to relevancy. I don't want recycled talent. I want new heroes. I think something along those lines. Look, Russell Wilson from 2012, especially like after the Chicago game, but 2012 to 2015 was one of the most valuable offensive weapons in the league, period. That was when the read option was still something that teams had a hard time stopping. They didn't know how to defend it well. Russell Wilson was maybe the best at running it and he was a good passer and he, like Andy was clutch. He was like, he had everything going. This is a guy in 2014 that had almost a thousand yards rushing. Like he, he had remarkable years. I enjoyed watching that. He was a scorer. He was an efficient scorer of the football and we will maybe never see another quarterback like that in Seattle. Again, I will tell you flat out. I enjoy watching Geno Smith play the quarterback position in the style he plays the quarterback position with more than I enjoy Russell playing the quarterback position for the last five years. So I don't like period. I don't want to go back to the off script. If you get lucky, something works out. And if you don't, you have an incredibly inefficient 150 yard game and you can't do anything. Yes, we have those with Geno too. It happens, but 
I what I see from Gino feels so much more repeatable. It is such a more it's a it's an it's a it is a higher football IQ sort of football to be played by the quarterback. And I just enjoy it. So I don't have any interest in going back. I don't think Russell Wilson would start for almost any team in the NFL at this point. I think he is a backup. I don't think he will agree to be a backup. And I think he's essentially irrelevant. I you're, think you're Russell Wilson me, is irrelevant. You're telling have you me you don't think the quarterbacks? Worthy? Uh, have you seen the quarterbacks in this league? I, I have. I have. So here's the thing. There are a lot of backups starting. So I'm not saying he won't be a starter. But okay, I think I think Russell Wilson is equivalent to Jimmy Garoppolo in terms of like where he goes. I think he has that much of an impact, positive or negative, on the team's ability to contend. And see, I think this is getting wildly out of hand. Like, do you know that Russell has only had five seasons where he's thrown more touchdowns than he had so far in this year when he got benched for the last two games of the year? And I mean, he played a lot of seven or like 16 game seasons. So but he would still have one more game. Um, so, you know, he's thrown for 3000 yards. He's completing 67 or 66% of his passes. Like, yes, extremely limited shell of himself, kind of a caricature. Yeah, 100 percent. But like this dude is not unplayable. Uh, I mean, and now maybe Sean Payton is working a ton of magic to ring this out. And like the numbers are not. How many of his games have you watched? Honestly, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. How many times you watched him play this year? Like a full game or five times this year, four or five times, like sat down and watched the Broncos game. And I get it. I mean, it's, it's not, it's not a fun experience all the time. Like I'm not trying to like come out here and say like, that Russ is a top 15 quarterback. I'm, I'm not even going to go that far, but he is not trash. And with the state of quarterbacks. So here's what I was thinking. Like, there's no way he comes back to Seattle. Like what his relationship is with Pete, no way he's going to sit behind Gino and no way is, would Seattle risk whatever that dynamic might be. If they move on from Gino and they draft a quarterback, there's still so much baggage with that locker room and in this town, he's not coming back to Seattle. That would be insane wild um now if i'm indianapolis and i can get russ at the vet min if i'm carolina if i'm one of these teams with a young quarterback that i don't quite know yet or if i'm chicago and i'm gonna let justin fields go and i'm gonna draft caleb porter drake may whoever and i want that vet guy there you know what one of those types of situations pittsburgh yeah Am I interested in Russell Wilson, the quarterback? Yeah, absolutely. Like, by all accounts, good dude. I mean, we don't totally know what he's like as in this role, but like, not going to cause, not going to get arrested, uh, probably. Um, but you know, the question is, like you said, does he want to be a a backup quarterback? Can he accept that? And even if he can accept it, can Mark Rogers accept it? The Mark Rogers experience is real. And no matter what Russ might be willing to do, I don't know, like, what GMs are going to be like, yeah, let me take this on as I'm trying to, like, navigate my team through a rookie or young Bryce Young type quarterback. It just seems like such a massive headache that I I don't, I mean, he's not going to be out of the league, but it's such a weird spot for him. Jeff. I, I, You've watched you've watched a lot of Russ this year, more than any of us. 
do you see, do you see him as being you know meaningfully different than like Jimmy Garoppolo? I guess is my kind of like average Joe average kind of quarterback. I'll say Derek Carr. He his stats are really similar to Derek Carr, like the advanced numbers. But I'll say this: he lost a lot of weight this year, and he's been able to run the ball at a level we haven't seen in years. So that's really helped him move the chains and help him keep drives alive because the rest of his game is shit. Like he's throwing, they're playing him like he's Teddy Bridgewater. He's dumping the ball off to running backs. He's not making explosive plays. And the amount of plays he's missing is alarming. Like Jerry Judy has been open on these crossing routes, basic crossing routes. And we, we did this with Seattle where you'd say like, why did he throw to this guy? It drove Sean Payton nuts. He could not run the offense there. And, but Russ's ability to make plays in the fourth quarter when they need to just make a play, he's, he still can do it. He did it this year in several games where they have to go against the offense. It probably drove Sean Payton fucking crazy. But when he needs to make a play, he can still do that. So I put him a little ahead of Jimmy because Jimmy can't do that. Jimmy can run a very basic offense. And so I still, still think there is a market for Russell to start. There's just too many, like Nathan said before, there's too many teams that don't, like say the Raiders, like the Raiders aren't going to be high enough in the draft to get a quarterback. They got Aiden O'Connell who didn't throw us completion for three quarters in the last game. Like you want to just go fuck off Denver, bring a Russell in. Atlanta needs a quarterback. Desmond Ritter is shit. Do you think that he, my point though, was that I think that Russell's irrelevant. I don't think, I don't think he'll make, take a team to a playoff game. I don't think he's no, going I to. Think- I think yeah, his ceiling is he can get you to the playoffs if you have a really good run game and defense, but you can't win more than one round. And essentially that's what we hated with the Seahawks. Everyone blamed Pete Carroll for it. But that's what his ceiling is right now. I think he can get you to the playoffs. To me, if you have... an... sorry, go ahead, Jeff. No, go ahead. Russell, to me, is the guy that can be... get you to the seventh seed. He... Pittsburgh, he can be the that. Um is he going to win you a Super Bowl? No, that those days are over. To me, there's an additional element here, and that is he's clearly being, being cut by Denver in March. Is he willing, he and his team willing, to reset their contract expectations? And honestly, reset his ego maybe a little bit too in terms of what type of salary he's going to command on a new team because it's going to be much different than what he's used to historically. It's going to be a prove-it type of deal. And I'll tell you this, as a pro-Russell guy, I have real uh, suspicions that he won't be able to do that. But Um, they got the offset language. He he might take the vet minimum to screw Denver over. He's got $39 coming his way, right? He does, yeah. So I don't know if he needs the money. It might just be like... The more he takes from another team, the less he gets from Denver. And you know, you know, Mark Rogers will uh, work the uh, the Jacinas of the world out there. So when he takes a vet men, that it there's like 18 paragraphs tweeted out by one of these dudes talking about how it's all to get the money from Denver and all that. I think yeah. one of Russell Wilson's greatest mistakes of his career have been the people he's advised to hire or he's hired to advise him throughout his career. Him and re- Pete Carroll, I, just Spider-Man meme. Pete can't hire an assistant. I, I really mean that though. That's the like, irony, Nathan. That's they're the same guy. 
business We're about operations. A dude that hired Josh Cashman. He has no. <laughs> Evan is just eviscerating Josh on 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 the internet as usual. I love that. Dude, that's so funny to me. That's so funny. I you mean, know, the NFL also hired Josh Cashman once upon a time. There's a there's a long list of people that that maybe are a little more sus than than we, than we realize. Um, I don't think we should talk too much more about Russ. That's that is the past. I, I think it, it is a it is a huge story for Seahawks fans. This guy is the best quarterback that's ever played for the franchise, and might be the best quarterback that ever plays for the franchise. Um, and we're gonna see what happens next. Uh, I I I think we all, despite Evans maybe emotional, maybe trolly takes around him coming back. I don't think any of us think he's actually coming back to the Seahawks. And, uh, you know, I sincerely wish him the best. I do. I, I hope he goes and plays great. I hope he finds something that's meaningful. I don't expect it to happen. I think I've seen enough. I'm not interested in particularly watching him anymore. I hope he, he turns that around. Um, I don't think that often happens after the age of 35, but who can knows? I, can I add one thing, Brian, just before we move off this topic? Absolutely. And it's a question to you, gents. What do you think are the chances that Russell retires after this? Doesn't play another season in the NFL. Nathan, I think you can go the Cam Newton route, which is I'm not getting the offers I want. And so I'm not going to play if I'm not getting the offers I want. That's the one way I could see that happening. I think it goes back to him and Pete being the same dude. I don't know if either either one of those guys can walk away. I, I doubt he's ready for that. He'll he'll go somewhere and he will make an absolute ass of himself trying to be a starter like behind Josh Allen or something stupid. And like, uh, you think yeah. he'd do that? I, yeah, I don't think this guy has a lot of. I think one of the. I don't, I don't want to like say a lot of bad stuff about Russ because I think, you know, one, he's been incredibly successful and two, he seems like an actual good dude. Um, but this is such a major crossroads and like the idea of him taking a back step, back seat to anything is so counter to how he's tried to live his life and, and the, his personal philosophy. Um, and I don't know if he, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think it would be, has he ever done anything that showed you he like understands that he's human and his I, limits? Yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> Mister Unlimited does not know Unlimited. any limits. There's a king in every crowd. Mm-hmm. Like, and and some really like dumb stuff like eat the ball or uh let's ride or like i mean he, he did stop saying let's ride so maybe <laughs> maybe but yeah i don't know i think it's i unfortunately think that this is going to end really ugly and uh yeah it's a bummer are yeah. you guys surprised by his tweets over or his tweets and his likes over the past 24 hours yeah because yeah. i feel like it's openly kind of brazen uh so... i didn't expect that from him He's so political historically. Like he won't say anything of anything. He, he's he's liking these tweets. He's liking the George Schultz stuff. 
either he's just like rattled to the point or it's like a plan for Mark Rogers. It's way out of character. It feels very public and brazen and just not consistent with when that happens, when the walls are closing in and you don't have a lot of people left in your corner. And he's now been to two franchises. He's got two locker rooms that probably don't have a lot of positive things to say about him as a leader or as a, you know, a player and you got coaching staff, uh, you know, two coaching staffs in Denver who don't have positive things to say about him. You've got coaching staffs outside of Seattle and outside of Denver that don't have positive things you've had for his entire career. Even when he was one of the best players in the game had NFL, you know, always had NFL had front office guys, other coaches saying like not a first tier player, blah, blah, blah. His own receivers his own rece- player on the other side of the ball. So I think there's probably precious few guys around him now that, that are making like, he probably feels pretty alone. And um, yeah, we'll see if that changes next year. Maybe he's going to grow a goatee and go like evil Russ and just like, maybe the Raiders is exactly where he needs to go to try to like be a tough guy that, that, you know, doesn't make a lot of sense. Do you think Robert Kerbin's raw, raw message isn't landing with Russ anymore? Is he, is his hype talks not quite getting through any, anymore to the, to the players? Potentially. Potentially. KJ um, Wright is about to lose a 5K bet to G Scott for whether or not Russell Wilson gets benched this year. Really? Yeah, they made a bet at the beginning of the KJ season. Wright had a wrong football take? Are you sure? That doesn't seem possible. 5K apparently behind it. You know how much money that guy has probably lost on sports betting? Because <laughs> based off his takes... I don't know if there's ever been a better player that knows less about football players than KJ Wright. Um, he has a remark. Kendrick Thompson's the next great safety. I, <laughs> Kendrick, like Fucking Derek Hall is okay. going to win defensive rookie of the year. We don't have to go far back. Like okay. he's, got a, he's got a mean zero sacks this year, though. Richard Sherman had me hyped about Therald Simon too, as well. Okay, so like it goes across the board. I will, I will die on the hill that Therald Simon was not as bad as Tedrick Thompson or as bad as De- Tarek Hall. Sure. Therald sure. Simon was a passable. Serviceable. Like, one good game. Yeah. That's yeah. more than Tarek Hall. Well, yeah. I mean, Tedrick Thompson is an aggressively bad player. Like. Um, trauma. Yeah. Other than he had one great interception. Anyway, we are so far off, off topic. Did Nathan last longer on this team than Marquise Blair did? Okay. Oh, I'm hurt about that. I forgot about, <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. I guy. liked Marquise Blair. I liked him. <laughs> he was like talented. He was a hard hitter. He was a moron. <laughs> 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 like they were playing like Delano. Like they were saying like he couldn't read the playbook. Like they're playing like Delano Hill over him. Delano Hill was one of the shittiest players I've ever seen. He was so Evan bad. went nuts that one year, and then Marquise Blair like got cut and went to like four teams and was cut within like a week. <laughs> he must be an idiot. Uh, <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not, all, all signs point. The Magic Eight Ball says all signs point to yes. Uh, on that like one, Carolina cut him after like a date. 
Jeff, you are required to always be on your honeymoon for future versions of this oh, show. I would move to Bahamas right now. Uh, oh, we'll ask you more about that after. But um, uh, Nathan, if you haven't already, would you mind looking up patron questions? We are we are already past the hour. Uh, we'll we'll try to get through a few, probably not all, patron questions, and then get to our our, our pickums. Uh, Jeff, if you have to drop at some point, give me a wave and we'll, we'll, we'll get you, uh, get your pick before you go. But otherwise we probably, uh, we'll go for a little bit longer here. No, I'm um, as long as I don't get kicked out of this hotel, I'll be fine. Nice. I gotta go, well, I gotta go back to the bars later. So I'm fine. And, and for folks that don't know, you, we, you teased about whether you were going to watch the Seahawks Titans game this week, uh, on the, the day that you arrived at your honeymoon. Did you actually do it? I did. I did. <laughs> there was a, there There's was no a, a sports book attached to my hotel, and it was like not nice outside the first day we got here. So my wife's like, "You, you could go watch." Like, <laughs> she's she's a saint. She's a I saint. I wish I didn't. That game sucked. <laughs> hey, we won, dude. We won. We we'll did. take it. We did. It was very aggravating. Um, for folks that haven't already, please give the show a like and go subscribe to the channel. And then obviously go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger, sign up, get access to the Slack channel right now. Seahawks making a playoff push. Believe it or not, it's happening. And you don't want to experience this without the community that's growing over on the Slack channel, patreon.com slash hawkblogger. And all proceeds go to charity over 260k already donated so be part of a good good cause good community and let's talk some more hawks uh even between shows so nathan ha have you had a chance to look up some patron questions i have um, all right the first question is from adam oswald he wants to know is there any way you could see russell wilson back in seattle i think we covered that pretty thoroughly um eric uh wants to know or, or says it seems to me that one of the biggest differences in the last two weeks has been related to the team being less about showboating slash selfish play and more about them acting like a mature professional team have you seen that change and how important is coach carroll in bringing about a positive change to the team culture brian i don't uh brian you look like you have something you don't want to say about this so <laughs> i'm just laughing because i of all the things to to observe about this team lately being you know on better behavior is is something that just made me kind of smile i mainly was laughing because i wanted to hear what jeff or, or, or evan were going to say about this evan had this look of utter confusion on his face like what <laughs> what's going on so I don't I do not have anything particularly interesting to say on this topic other than I I think the Seahawks are playing really bland football. I will take I will take blowing up. I will take a tussle with the opposing team. I will take a hard shot that draws a 15-yard penalty. I will take pregame dust-ups. Yeah, I, I will take that because I am sick of watching a milk toast brand of football. I want to see, I want to see fire. So I don't, I'm not celebrating the maturity, I guess is what I'd say. I will take maturity if you're, if you're a mediocre team, because being like 
fake tough is worse than being just mature and mediocre. But I want more fire than I've seen from this team. That's my take. Evan, what what are your thoughts here? Nothing to add. It it that question doesn't make sense to me. I'm gonna <laughs> I mean, I do think that the, the announcers like two or three times in the Titans game mentioned that it was getting chippy. Um, we had the personal foul, uh, which, you know, wasn't necessarily anything crazy or anything, but it was, you know, a late hit by Diggs a little bit. Um, so, no, I think probably what is being noticed is that DK hasn't had any blowups and he's always a lightning rod for attention. And Jamal hasn't been playing and he's always... You know, yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that was going to be my guess. Though. I'm guessing the guy doesn't like Jamal who asked that question. Yeah. Which he is, is I, mean, I get it, but. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Brian on this one. This team's been fucking boring. Is Jamal <laughs> is Jamal a Seahawk next year? I don't think so. Shouldn't be. Shouldn't? No, is he? Brian, I think you're the most measured of us about Jamal. What is your. Is, is he, he a Seahawk? Yes or no? Next year? Yeah. Is Jamal Adams a Seahawk in 2024? Yes or no? Uh, no. No. I, I, well, 70% no. I, th- I think the one chance is if they, they think that somehow he's going to heal up and actually recover some, maybe they get to a, a situation where they make him a June 1st, post-June 1st cut. Maybe they get through OTAs and stuff like that and see if he's looking like a different player. But I don't know. Another question on this, because at the start of the year, there was all this stuff about whether the team was punishing Witherspoon by making him play nickel, um, which it turned out to not be. and uh, was kind of weird. Um, I though and at, okay at the time like I did not think that was crazy to think that they were making him earn his way back into a starting spot not that they were necessarily punishing him but that he had to like make up for some time missed in training camp. I also kind of wonder if some of the time that he is missing right now isn't punitive. Like if he is not if, if they have benched him effectively and it's just best for him to not be around. Am I, am I crazy for thinking that? Is that just a huge conspiracy theory? Is he just hurt and they're getting him healthy? Or is there, like, is this somewhat about his play and maybe how he's carried himself probably more about the locker room than tweets? But still, Evan, you look confused. You think they've benched Devin Witherspoon? No, no, no. Jamal, Jamal, Jamal. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking well, Devin Witherspoon. Sorry, I was um, comparing it because it, it, the you know before the year started, there was all the controversy about whether they were like punishing Witherspoon, and that was wrong. But I, at the time, I did kind of think that maybe they were making him earn it back. Now I think they're making they benched Jamal. I and I don't, I, know don't crazy. I don't know if benched is the right word um, because it, I feel like the implication is weird. But I will. I, this is what I'll say. Uh, he's clearly not physically fully healthy. And I think it's abundantly clear that he's also not emotionally fully healthy. So I think I think Pete Carroll's doing a really good job of protecting him right now. That is a very fair answer. Um, okay, Collian wants to know, Jeff, I'll give this one to you. Would it be a good approach to cut Gino, Tyler, Draymond, Disley, Jamal, and digs next year to create close to a hundred million in cap. Um, 
you'd leave 20 million for the rookies that came out of the 2024 draft and the remaining 75 million could go to some really good young players that they could build a team around would that approach tearing this team down and trying to go invest big in free agency would that appeal to you at all yeah i'm on board with getting rid of most of those players gino i think is worth keeping around but I don't think it's a crazy idea to cut Gino and bring him back on a different deal. I don't know if I want Gino taking up $31 million on the cap next year, but Draymond is the only one. I don't know if they'll pull. I think Draymond they still see value in, even though he's been pretty mid. Other than the last few weeks, he started to get a little better. But the rest of those guys, Quandre, Jamal, Tyler, we've all talked about that all year. And frankly, those are the kind of veterans that I don't really think they fit the team right now and where their trajectory is. and. I'd rather not have those guys who are sort of good but not great. Even I don't even know if they're good anymore. They're maybe like above average. I don't know if that's the kind of players I want my money in. And I'd be totally okay with getting rid of every single one except for Gino. I think he's worth keeping around. It's a lower number. But, yeah, if you can refresh the cap table with all these guys on rookie deals, one of the things that's kind of alarming right now is, they're in the period where they should be able to spend freely and because they have so much bad money at safety and so much bad money at linebacker and other positions, they're not even able to maximize this little window they've created. So if you can create a hundred million dollars, something like that. Yeah. To me, I'm all on board. If you have to take one year of bad dead money, set up another year in the future, I think that's where the team needs to go. I think the problem right now is they have too much money invested in middling players. But I got to follow up on that, Jeff. I'm confused. Who are you spending this money on? Like, who, who like, who, when is spending that much money in free agents actually improved a team and not created a bunch more bad contracts that we're like feeling like shit that we signed those guys to? Well, that's the problem. But the problem is really like, I think we got to get rid of Diggs and Jamal anyway to pay if you want to pay Leonard Williams. So that's one deal. Um, I'd be very on board with paying Leonard Williams over a Draymond or over a Quandre. Uh, Gino, I think, is you got to bring him back. So, And if you can invest, a weird question they're going to have is Damian Lewis. I don't think you should pay him. I know there are people who do, but that's one. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do. Jordan Brooks, they're going to need linebackers. But I wouldn't bring back Bobby. So there are areas you can spend on. Linebackers, one of them, doesn't cost a lot. But offensive line, defensive line, they Oh, we got the Bahama Mama. Get rid of that safety money. Makes sense. All right, Brian. Ryan Cleveland wants to know. Uh, so he says, the Seahawks are clearly not a top-tier team, but is it crazy to think that they might be the most competitive matchup for the Niners in the playoffs? Let's set aside the Super Bowl and, and any potential Ravens or AFC uh, matchup. Is there a team... Is there? It's interesting, actually, because at first I was like, no, of course not. Did you watch these games? But who is the NFC team? Is there an NFC team that jumps out to you as better equipped to handle the Niners? Well, first off, Ryan Cleveland, thank you for being a longtime supporter and patron of the show. Always with excellent questions. And this is another one. I've been alluding to this for a while, and Evan's been giving me shit. And, and, uh, I'd like to say Evan's usually wrong, but remarkably, he tends to be right about predictions. It's the most wild thing. But here's the thing. You look at the the 49ers play the Cowboys. Wasn't close. 
it wasn't a lot to hold on to if you're a Cowboys fan about why it would be different or better the next time. Uh, you look at the Eagles played the 49ers in Philadelphia. Wasn't close. There was not a lot of reason to think it was going to get better. And it, there's not a lot of even reason since that game why you'd think the Eagles have closed the gap. The, the Seahawks got their ass handed to them on Thanksgiving. Tough. We all knew that was going to be a tough, tough game. And then they go with their backup quarterback to San Francisco. And they lose 28 to 16. But if Jamal Adams doesn't play in that game, is there potentially one less touchdown in that game for the 49ers? I, I think there might be. If you had Julian Love playing full-time safety, I think there might have been one less touchdown. If you had Geno Smith starting instead of Drew Locke, do you have three or four more points in that game? Maybe a touchdown more in that game? I think you might have. And so, yeah, I think it's fair to say the Seahawks the Seahawks have a they have reason to think that they could play the 49ers tougher than either the Eagles or the Cowboys. The only other team, I think the Lions, I love the Lions. I'd love them to do well. It's hard for me to see them really stacking up in a game against the 49ers. Um, I think Dan Campbell's tough enough to like maybe get something out of that, but I just don't see the talent working out for them. It's really the Rams as the only other team that you got to have some question about whether, because Matt Stafford is playing, if not the best quarterback of anyone in the game, passing quarterback of anyone in the game, he's right there, man. And I've never said that about Matt Stafford. I'm not a longtime Matt Stafford supporter. I don't credit this to Sean McVay, Evan. Matt Stafford is just, he's making some of the best throws of anybody. And if it was Sean McVay, he would be just have easy throws to make. These are not all easy throws. And so that's the one guy we'll see in week 18. But otherwise, I think I think Mr. Cleveland is on a uh, onto something there. Um, I would be interested to see the Seahawks play the, the 49ers in the playoffs. Sean another... McVay's defense is playing better than our defense with like half the talent and half the salary contracted to them. Am I, I wrong? Yeah. Am I wrong or am I wrong? You know, there's another team that you forgot to mention that also has a quarterback who's maybe one of the best pure passing quarterbacks in the league right now that I'm surprised didn't come up in a in a chance to beat the the Niners. We're not we're not giving old Baker Mayfield any <laughs> any shot here. They already played. Uh what was the score of that game? I have no actually. idea. A lot to a little. Hey, uh, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll has a good assistant coach that they let leave. Yeah, imagine. I wish I had a team that could hire good coaches like Dave. Twenty-seven, fourteen. Not, not that bad of a. Dave Canales has been like one of the like hottest names in the league the last three weeks. Yeah, yeah. It was twenty-seven, seven going to the fourth quarter. So not that close, actually. I think the only other team that isn't the Ravens that has played them closer and like since middle of October is the Seahawks the Bucks and the Seahawks have played the Niners the toughest fucking weird year uh okay (laughs) um Sam Brown another long time uh very good question asker um wants to know um, between the offensive line and the defensive line, 
which side has made the most progress and which side do you think still needs the most work Evan Hill? I think the offensive line still needs the most work. I, I don't think that's particularly close either. The interior defensive line, Jaron Reed, as much as I hate to admit it, has played really well this year. Their newly acquired defensive tackle from New York has also played really well this year. They're obviously suffering the loss of Nwosu as well, which is one of their top defensive edge players. And uh, I think people often underestimate that loss. So for me, it's the interior offensive line without question. I actually don't think like, like should they, actually, this is kind of leads to an interesting question for 2024. Should they roll with any of the interior at all? Yeah, Evan, Evan Brown back. You'd bring him. Yeah. I okay. I like a similar good. deal. Yeah. I think I he's had a one-year deal, right? Even a raise, I would be okay with not nothing crazy, but I like him. I think he's fine. I, I personally would rather see Ola with Timmy on a rookie deal. I don't think Evan Brown's done enough for me that I'm like, God, bring him back. I wouldn't be upset. I, I think you're right. He's he's played a decent. He's been the better, the best center that they've had for, you know, since Justin Britt's all, you know, Pro Bowl year. I would say, probably. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's do like one or two more, Nathan. Oh boy. Okay, pressure's on. Um. Let's see here. A uh, lot of Russell Wilson questions in <laughs> here. Um, I think we've answered all of those. Uh, 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 Evan, Kristen uh, wants to know, can we still, can the Seahawks win without Kenneth Walker? Can they win when Kenneth Walker is out? First of all, is Kenneth Walker hurt? This is news to me. If he is, he's been he's hurt for a few weeks. Hurt, right? He's been hurt. For Isn't a few he? Weeks. He's playing against the Steelers, though, right? He's not. He's not out. He's been missing practice, but he missed practice last week as well. So, is Kenneth Walker? Let me at, let me answer that question with a question. Is is Kenneth Walker to Zach Charbonnet that much of a downgrade? If a downgrade at all. I think so. Kenneth Walker to to Sharps? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I am starting to think with running backs is that while they are generally all effectively the same, I, I you know, Charbonnet has had some nice runs, and he turns them into like 8 or 12 or 13-yard gains. When K-9 has a good run... It's like he he rips off like thirty yards. He flips the field. He scores a touchdown. He you know it's a house call, um, and I think his ability there is more unique, right? There's not a lot of not, not everyone has that kind of top end speed, and so I do think that there is like I don't love that they spent the pick on him still. I think I still think it was a bad call, but I think spending a second round pick on someone like Kenneth Walker who can generate big explosives for you makes more sense like investing in that like archetype as a, of a running back makes sense that should be what you're trying to do whereas charbonnet has more of like the chris carson you know vibe where yeah he's kind of fun to watch sometimes and he'll hit somebody and it's neat but it's never going for more than like 12 yards so is the question can they win without canine yeah they better be able to yeah <laughs> They better be able to. I, I, think, I think the play 
in here. I think that 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 has already been answered. They haven't had K nine most. They haven't had a run game most of the year. It is one of the worst run offenses in the NFL. So I'm not sure. I'm convinced that the running back has been the difference one way or another. I do have issue with Nathan's characterization, characterization of Charbonnet. I think 12, 12 plus yard run being an explosive run, uh, a rush. Zach Charbonnet's percentage of explosive rushing plays is, is very near or greater than Kenneth Walker's. Kenneth Walker has more 30 plus yard types of plays that's what he, he can do that charbonnet is not going to do but even if you looked at 20 plus yard runs i think they're pretty they're pretty close and so i think charbonnet is a very very competent and comparable runner i don't think you lose a ton but zach charbonnet could not have done in against philadelphia what kenneth walker did in that game he, that was an elite running back performance by kenneth walker i don't think I don't think Zach Charbonnet has that in him. He also can't catch to save his life. Oh, that was a huge drop last week. Oh man, it's like twenty but yards he, right there. That guy, that guy picks up blitzes better than Travis Homer. Like Travis Homer wishes he could pick up blitzes the way Zach Charbonnet picks up blitzes. All right, last one. <laughs> last one. Legion That's the real reason the Seahawks suck. We don't have Cody Barton and Travis Homer this year. Uh, That's the real I, reason. Who can we cut to be better next year the way we cut guys to be better this year? I, I think Jamal Adams has got to be high on that list right now. I'm not sure who else. Maybe Damian Lewis. I mean, Bobby, Bobby is number one. Bob, Bobby got to go. Bobby, but it's time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Legion, this is an interesting question because I think it's one that we would have uh, that would have felt very um, like not out of place a couple weeks ago when we were all on our doom and gloom. Um, now it feels a little different. I'm kind of curious what everyone's thoughts on this are. So from Legion of Brazil, uh, this is a scenario that I'm viewing for the future. We're going to win the remaining games, get a playoff spot, lose, be eliminated in the first game. Pete and John will stay. Gino and Locke will be the quarterbacks in 2024. They won't draft anybody. Lockett and Diggs will stay because they're viewed as leaders. Jamal goes, Brooks comes back, Bobby retires. Uh, he says Williams will go to a contender. I don't know if that's true, but anyways, if, if we kind of, if you look at that situation, he says it looks very bleak. Um, is there anything to give me hope that things will be different? I think this was a very like stock opinion on this podcast for a couple weeks in the midst of that, uh, the, you know, the Niners game and some of those losses, the, the losing streak. Do you still kind of have, is this what your outlook is? Is it still a bleak outlook? Um, I guess Brian, I'll go back to you, Brian, because uh, you were, you wore a bag on your head one time. So how how bleak is your soul <laughs> these days? Well, in truth, I wore the bag on my head because I've been so down on Drew Locke, and he deserved uh, he deserved me to take a, an L um, for right. in, against the the Eagles. My tune has not changed about this team until. The only thing that can change my tune about this team is if the offense plays anything close to what we saw in Dallas the rest of the way. That is the only thing. I don't believe this defense has what it's necessary to be special. I don't I, I'm not gonna believe that they've foundationally built something. I think that the offense, I still believe in Geno Smith. 
I, I'm not, I'm not going to back away from that. I know that everyone here doesn't agree with that. That's fine. I enjoy watching Gino. I enjoy cheering for Gino. I think that he plays the quarterback position in a way that gives you, if you have a good offensive coordinator and if you have decent protection, a chance to have a really good offense. And I think we saw it in Dallas. I think the fact that he, over the last two starts that he has played, has the second fastest time to throw at 2.37 seconds of any quarterback in the NFL. It is materially different than the way they started the season. I think it's made it, he has not been putting the ball in harm's way the way he had for most of the middle of the season. I think he's playing really good football. And so that is the one caveat I will say is if they can finish out the season strong on offense, get into the playoffs, have the offense win some games, then I'll change my tune. But they've dug a huge hole from a roster perspective, from a coaching perspective, from a lack of blue chip player perspectives. So I think the pieces are there to, to, to maybe get there, but I think the odds are pretty slim. What about you, Jeff? Are you, are you feeling bleak still? Are you still down in the dumps about the future of this team? No, I'm not there. I, I think there's a pretty good core of talent here to work with. And you look at like the teams that are elite, they're San Francisco, obviously, to get to that point, it's going to be really hard. They have like seven all-pro players. But if you look around the league, Baltimore and Cincinnati and some of those teams, if you look at their teams two, three years ago, they didn't have a roster close to this good. And they weren't like, – some of the teams that they have are weren't even close. So I think Seattle does have a core to work with. You see some of their best players are all young. Some of them – got worse this year and some of them do have a chance to get better. I still think the core issue of this team is they have a lot of good. They don't have a lot of great. So we need to see some more guys become great, but I think there's enough there where I'm seeing DK really progress the last few weeks. JSN has really progressed the last few weeks. There's the core. If Kent Walker, you have a lot to work with on offense and this league is based on offense. I don't, I don't think it's bleak, but I still think if you need more great players and where they're going to be drafting, you don't want to become like the annual Pittsburgh Steelers thing where they're okay. And and I think a coaching change, honestly, would go a long way for me in terms of maximizing what they have offensively, especially. So I don't, I don't think it's bleak, but I think they do need to make ultimately make change at some. And I think that that's going to maximize some of the things they do have. Cool. All right. I think that's probably it for the Patreon questions. Um, there are a couple other really good ones in here um, that we are not going to have time for, unfortunately. Um, but thanks for everyone for getting those in. Uh, Brian, uh, that's it. Thank you. And uh, for folks that put in uh, <clears throat> those questions and support the show, appreciate that. Uh, Patreon.com slash Hawkplugger. You too can ask questions each week and support charity in doing so. And I felt the need to uh, put up this stat just to, just to try to needle needle Mr. Nathan Ernst, but I got no reaction. It was very un unsatisfying when I typed that up. I did the research and Nathan's just blank face. So I think basically wait, Nathan wait, wait, hold on. No, you got a reaction. Cause I, I, I pulled up the PFR since I'm fast. Um, He's got so he's had a twenty he's had a twenty yard run on three point nine percent of his attempts. Yes. Would you like to guess what his longest run is? 
uh, like 26 yards or something like that. 23 yards. So <laughs> like, I mean, yes, it's not all 12 and 13 yards, but the point is this guy. Yeah. He, if you block it up and he's got a lane, he'll run for 20 yards, but I, he is not, like you said, what he's not a home run threat. He's not yeah. a home run threat. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that. Um, okay. Let's we are, we are 90 minutes in. There's been so much. We haven't talked about this game. Steelers are coming in town. Let's spend a couple minutes on this. And we'll get you guys out of here. Uh, Nathan, since you just asked a bunch of questions, let's give you first go here. You look at the Steelers. Mason Rudolph likely starting at quarterback. Uh, they just beat up on the Bengals. George Pickens, the receiver, went for a 200 yards receiving, went all over the place. They've got arguably the best pass rusher in the NFL and TJ Watt. They've got Highsmith across from him, great edge players. Got some injuries at safety. Minka Fitzpatrick might not play. Their other start, they've been struggling a little bit in the secondary. Offensive line, not great, but, you know, a little bit of a rough and tumble, like, punishing crew what do you make of this game like how does this team match up with the pittsburgh steelers i i think i i think something that was really interesting about the tennessee game is i think they let tennessee run as well as they did intentionally um you heard pete say that and Pete, yeah, I mean, yeah, Pete did just say it, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not divining too much. But like watching the tape too, I kept watching these runs where they, you know, Henry would break off six, eight, twelve, however many yards, right? Um, and I, I kept, hey, why, why, like, what, what is going on? I'm trying to like look at gap assignments and who's doing what and all this. And the thing that I found was actually really simple about it is if I just counted the guys in the box on the offensive side and then on the defensive side, every time. They had one of these runs. They were down a man or two in the box. And Pete even said, you know, he talked about how well they've been playing number one receivers. And I think that they are, he's pulling a Brandon Staley here a little bit. And he's saying, I would like to see you beat me with the run. And he's giving, you know, he gave Derrick Henry, I think, a lot of that. Um, and so I imagine with the idea being, you know, you're not going to get explosives. You're not going to beat us over the top. And and largely that didn't happen, right? Like they got a big PI at the end of the game and that's what allowed them to take that go ahead touchdown. Um, they gave up a Derrick Henry pass for a touchdown. You know, largely they played well. I think largely it worked out. Say, yeah, make your mediocre quarterback, move the ball, get explosives. We'll give up six yards or 10 yards here and there on the ground. But, you know, overall we're going to, we'll keep it, you know, uh, tied up. And they did. Um, and so I, I expect that to be a very, like, I don't know why that wouldn't be the exact same game plan against, uh, Pittsburgh. The only thing I think that is more worrisome with Pittsburgh is someone like Jalen Warren can bust some big runs. Like they have a little bit of the Charbonnet and Kenneth Walker thing with Harris and, um, Warren. Uh, and I think, which sounds crazy to say that I think the running backs for Pittsburgh is going to punish you more than the running back you know derrick henry but at this point in his career i think that's probably the case or at least could right warren could get loose on you and now you've got a big problem um so i mean that's what i am kind of expecting from this game is something that looks very similar to what we saw against tennessee but like you said there is no tj watt on tennessee and so 
Gino hasn't had that boneheaded turnover, but can TJ Watt force that? Maybe, yeah. maybe. And so I think there's much more, I'm more concerned. I didn't look at the Tennessee game and be like, oh, they just got punched in the mouth by a bad team, which was my initial reaction. But watching the tape again, it kind of made more sense. Um, this week, though, I think that they're, this Steelers team just has more potential to turn them over, you know, create explosives, create big plays on either side of the ball. And that makes me a little nervous because it was real close against Tennessee. Evan, the Steelers Steelers have scored 20 or more points only six times this season. In those games, they are undefeated. Mm. Undefeated. They have been undefeated in games where they sack the opposing quarterback four times or more. They are three and seven in games where they sack a quarterback, opposing quarterback three times or less. Uh Talk to me about how you see this game unfolding. How are you feeling about this matchup with the Steelers? Yeah. Uh, first of all, fuck the Steelers. They're my most yes. football team of literally all time. I hate them more than the Niners. I hate what? them more than the yes. The first wow. football game. I'm gonna age you guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna apologize for what I'm about to say. You're not sorry. The first football game I ever watched. Take a guess. It was a wonderful little scammy Super Bowl where the Seahawks were cheated out of it. Um, ever since then, I've hated the Steelers. I hate those Bumblebee jerseys. I hate Ben Roethlisberger. I don't like Mike Tomlin. I don't like any of them. I hate the city of Pittsburgh. Um, fuck them all, to be quite honest with you. Um, but uh, I think this is going to be a very frustrating uh football game i think it's going to be low scoring i think Najee harris has a potential to uh run the ball down our throats i think this team has shown that they can they're not super consistent in defending the run um derrick henry mostly kind of ran all over them and again sure it was intentional whatever but um the big injury to watch i think is minka fitzpatrick doesn't look like maybe he might play i don't think he practiced today or yesterday um so that's a big injury to look out for. Uh, Steelers have won three of the last five Seahawks-Steelers matchups, but this one's in Seattle. So I'm going to go with Seattle on this one. I think uh, the offense finds it finds its groove again. I think the offensive line uh, recovers a little bit, and I think it's a low-scoring game, though. I think Seattle wins like 23-20. to 20. 23 to 20. Nathan, I, I was going to come back for scores, but since Evan gave his, let's get your score before we go over to Jeff. Um, I'll go 1916 Seahawks. Okay. Okay. Jeff, uh, this is by odds makers, a three, three and a half point Seahawks favored imply the implied scores around 22 to 19 in this one uh, in favor of the Seahawks. Do they have the right team favored in this game? Yeah, I think so because of Mason Rudolph. Uh, he, he was awesome last game, but historically he's been incredibly uninteresting. He's been boring. He's hasn't done much in the last game. He's like, Hucking it down the field, and what's going on here? Uh, 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Keep going. Mason uh, Rudolph was hucking it down the field. Yeah, Mason Rudolph all of a sudden was like, <laughs> oh, if they had Mitch Trubisky playing this game, the Seahawks might be 10-point favorites. He's that bad. But Rudolph was competent against the Bengals. He was a lot better than I thought. But I feel like the Seahawks are playing with fire the way they've been playing lately. And Nathan just mentioned it with Henry. I haven't watched the film because I've been away. But I heard Peter's interview mentioned the term rope-a-dope, which is like a famous boxing strategy where they kind of suck you in. And playing Tennessee where the only thing they're good at is running and letting them run, that's the dumbest strategy I've ever heard in my life. And trying to force them into explosives when they have Ryan Tannehill and no explosive receivers. I think if we're trying to play it, it seems like Pete's just trying to play this game where you win the fourth quarter. He's got that stupid speech where uh, you're going to win the game the first quarter. Like, I think playing that game against TJ Watt and that pass rush is setting yourself up for failure. So I do think this is a game Seattle should win. They're a better team. They're more talented. But I think they're playing with fire and it's going to burn them. And I think they're going to lose this game. I think we're going to look back at that stupid strategy of trying to play everything close to the fourth quarter. And they're going to lose because T.J. Watt's going to strip sack Geno Smith like the last time they played in Pittsburgh. And we're going to look back and say this offense should have killed this team without Minka. And they played like idiots trying to run the ball for two yards a carry. And I just hate that Pete takes so much pride in this dumb strategy of trying to play the game close. and limit. But they had seven possessions last game against like a CFL defense. Like they're playing like morons. And I think they should try to open it up. The one game they did open up, they scored 35 points against Dan Quinn's defense. And I think if they played like that, they would have whooped Tennessee. And I think they're playing this dumb rope-a-dope, keep the game close, protect the team. I think with T.J. Watt, they're, they're playing fire and it's going to backfire on them. So what's your, what's your score? 21-17 Pittsburgh. Well, that leaves just me, and um, I don't know, man. I I, I kind of see it the way you do. I I think I I just look at a team like the Steelers, and I think that they are they have some legitimately tough guys on their team. I think they're physical in a way, especially you look like there's no one in the Seahawks that's like T.J. Watt. Like there's there's nobody like that. And I think Highsmith on the other side also. I don't think they really have someone like that either. Um, I haven't seen the Seahawks stand up to a tough football team um, really so far. And so I want to say the Seahawks are going to win this game. I want to say that Geno Smith being a quick passer now can – offset the pass rush and that the receivers are playing better and that they'll put up enough points and that the Steelers, I really don't think the Steelers offense should be able to score points, like a lot of points against this team. Can they score 20 though? Maybe. So I am going to, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Seahawks to win. I'm going to say for the third straight week, they win 20 to 17 and, uh, We will see how it goes. I hope they win. I really do. But it will not surprise me one bit if the Steelers end up walking out of here with a victory and pretty much ending the Seahawks season. So 
let's hope that the three of us are right and Jeff's wrong. Um, yeah. And uh, Jeff, massive thanks for tuning in, joining the show from uh, the Bahamas. It wouldn't have been the same without you, man. Um, and so congrats to you again on your nuptials. And uh, hopefully your wife doesn't have to deal with us the rest of the trip. <laughs> can find him on twitter at real jeff simmons evan hill evan man thanks for coming on at evan hill hb and nathan ernst at nathan e11 thank you everybody uh, have a great rest of your night go hawks hey folks this is brian nemhauser thanks for listening to the show hope you enjoyed it I want you to know that real hawk talk is available on all major podcast platforms Go ahead and subscribe. Have all podcasts delivered directly to your phone after each and every show. And then go ahead and leave us a five-star review. Helps us out, gets more people to the show. Then, if you haven't already done it, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and subscribe for just five bucks a month. Gets you immediate access to our Slack channel. Join hundreds of folks in that community to talk Seahawks about wins, losses, and all things in between. Not to mention become eligible to win giveaways for Seahawks tickets and get to ask questions of the Real Hawk Talk crew every week on the show. Finally, if you haven't gone to hawkblogger.com recently, head on over. Tail the Tape morning after articles are there every week. Hoping to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show. Go Hawks.